We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve. I serve on the leadership team at Anthem Church. I want to welcome you all to our online service. It's great to have you with us, especially if you are with us for the very first time. Thanks for joining in. Today, I want to do a sermon in, in two parts. The second part of what I want to share is going to be the longer of the two parts, and it's going to be the final installment of our REACH series, a series that has been encouraging and exhorting us to reach out to others with the love of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. But the first part of the sermon is going to be a building update, our new building at 3850 West Montrose, and also a birthday shout-out. Yes, today is Anthem Church's 16th birthday. be honest and say that uh, celebrating our 16th birthday while I'm standing in this empty room looking at a camera and trying to imagine your faces is proving to be particularly challenging. I think it's absolutely important that we celebrate God's, uh, all that God has done over the last 16 years, but doing it without you is so, so, so difficult. On Tuesday, during our Zoom, uh, our Zoom conversation that Sunitha was leading when she was talking about uh, how to deal with stress and in uncertain times, she made a comment that really stuck with me since then. And she said that Zoom and other online platforms that encourage or provide an opportunity for connection in part solve the challenge of isolation that so many of us are facing but while they, solve, while they help to solve some of the problem, they also exacerbate the problem. They emphasize what we are missing, and that is one another. And that's what's going on right now with me, standing here trying to celebrate our church birthday and, and honoring God, and, and I am truly thankful for all that God has done. But it's stirring in my heart a, a longing for what I believe to be God's greatest treasure, and that is each of you longing to be with you and longing to enjoy the gift of being able to worship God together in his presence as a church community. So despite that challenge, I want to say to everyone at Anthem Church and everyone that God is going to add in the weeks and months and years to come, I want to say happy 16th birthday. I think today is also a great opportunity for us just to reflect and also be re-envisioned a little around our church building, uh, our church building project at 3850 West Montrose, reaching people with the love of Jesus and seeing the lonely find find community and having a place where we can gather uh, uh, to enjoy the presence of God, being a city on a hill, uh, uh, being the light into the world, showing our city what it looks like when Jesus is King, are are some of the reasons that we believe God has called us as a church, to follow him in purchasing the building at 3850 West Montrose to become our church home and also a community center. We've intentionally uh, uh, pulled back from our church building announcements since March when, when, when the COVID pandemic hit because we wanted to allow our collective focus to be on navigating the particular crises that were coming up because of COVID-19. 
But now that we're celebrating our birthday and now that we're in something of a, of a hopefully not too long, but a new norm, I think it's appropriate for us just to reflect a little and enjoy a hearing, a, a re-envisioning of what God wants to do as we begin to move or edge towards moving into the building at 3850 West Montrose. The first thing I want to share is an update on the timeline. I guess somewhat unsurprisingly, the timeline for the completion of the project has been delayed somewhat because of all that's going on around us. Where we were initially hoping to be in sometime this summer, that has now been delayed to late September, early October. And obviously that even in, in itself is, is, up or is up for change because of the uncertainty of, of, of everything around us. Some of you might be wondering how that plays or how, how that impacts our, uh, uh, our decisions as we look to move back into meeting together. And I want to say very, real quickly that those are two separate conversations. Um, we are intentional as a leadership team to follow the regulations uh, of the city and state. And, uh, and so we're going to be obviously following their lead before we can consider meeting together again. But I will say having our own space is going to be absolutely incredible and provide some wonderful freedom for us within the boundaries set by the city and state for us to move towards meeting together again. The second thing that I want to update us on is on the budget. And we are continuing to trust God for the 450 to 500,000 to complete the build out uh, that will transform what was the old Crafty Beaver warehouse into our new church home and, and, the new church and a church community center as well. Over the past two months, we've seen so many of you being so incredibly faithful and have given so generously, which has been quite overwhelming to see. But I also want to say that we haven't yet reached our goal. And although there is, because of the extension in the building, in the build-out timeline, there is additional time for us to raise those funds that are needed. So my personal invitation to each of you, whether you are part of the Anthem Church community or not, is for you to prayerfully consider partnering with us in this very exciting faith adventure. I've found that this project has always felt like it's been beyond our means, beyond uh, our ability to fulfill this journey or fulfill this project in our own strength. And I think that's good and right. It's exactly how God wants it to be. It was, it's God's intention for us to trust wholeheartedly in Him. But since COVID-19 has hit these shores, what has felt impossible has certainly been ramped up by an order of magnitude. But even as I say that, nothing much has changed. Impossible outside of God, multiplied by any order of magnitude, is still impossible outside of God. And I'm convinced that's exactly where God wants us to be and where His Word becomes so powerful and so comforting in these times. In Joshua chapter 1, uh, I've been reading the book of Joshua recently in my devotions, and, and God exhorts Joshua to be strong and courageous. How or why? Because God has spoken, because God promises to be with Joshua, and because God is always faithful. And that's certainly been the case with, with each of us. But this, this call to be strong and faithful is put to the test. When Joshua calls the nation of Israel, he says to them, follow the ark. In, in our case, that's the, that's the presence of the Lord. Follow the ark closely because you've never been this way before. That verse was one of the uh, a key verses that God gave us as we started Anthem Church 
or then Church in the City 16 years ago. And I love the fact that it's just as applicable today. A few verses later in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua exhorts um, the Israelites to consecrate themselves or to set themselves apart. And he goes on to say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among among you. And it's no coincidence, it shouldn't be surprising that the the time that God wanted Israel to cross the Jordan into the promised land was at a time when it seemed impossible to do so. And that was when the Jordan River was in flood. But God is reminding us that He is the God of the impossible. To be honest, at times this project has felt exactly that. It's felt impossible. But one of our five values is that we remember that we worship and serve the God of the impossible, the God who can do impossible things. That's a, that's a lovely value to, 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 to uh, uh, speak of. It's, it's, it's a catchy phrase. It rolls off our tongues so easily. But the challenge I've been facing recently is it, it might be easy to say, but is it rooted in our hearts? Is it something that we are going to live by? Just one last story as I bring this first part of this morning's sermon to land. A a final story about how the God of the impossible broke in into an impossible situation. 2 Kings chapter 4 tells the story of the Shunammite widow who was uh, facing financial ruin. And Elisha comes to her and encourages her to gather as many clay jars or pots as she has. She only had a small amount of oil left. But he encourages her to gather as many jars as possible, even asking for jars from her neighbors. And then by faith to begin to pour out the little oil that she had into that first jar. And miraculously, she's able to fill that first jar. And the next one, and the next one, and the one after that, until she fills up every single jar that she had gathered. She was able to sell those jars raise the money that that she needed to pay off her debts and to be able to live off the rest. I find that story so encouraging because collectively we might feel that we only have a little oil available. But I feel that what God is encouraging us to do is to bring ourselves like those empty clay jars and to put ourselves in a position by faith where God collectively can fill us and, and, and and for us to begin to see His miraculous provision poured out. I want to exhort us over this time for us to be like the church in in Macedonia that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when he says that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then began to overflow in rich and supernatural, supernatural generosity. So my personal invitation once again to each of you, whether you are part of the Anthem Church community or not, firstly, is to pray generally, to pray generally that God would open up the floodgates of His provision and enable us to meet the the financial need that, that, that we have in order to complete this particular project. But then my invitation as well is to each of you specifically to pray that you would ask God how He may be inviting or calling you to partner with us. If you have any questions about the particular project, if you want to learn more about our journey so far, if you want to find out ways that you can give, you can do so at anthemforall.org slash bigger than us. The URL should be appearing on the screen below. All right, that's the first part of the sermon. 
And now I want to move on to the second part of the sermon, which is our final installment in our REACH series. As I said, we've been spending the last six weeks encouraging and exhorting us to, to reach out to others, uh, reach out to our neighborhoods, to our neighbors with the love of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. The current season that we are in is obviously one of, of confusion. It's, it's very overwhelming. It's somewhat unsettling. I, 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 I mentioned last week that this exhortation for us to reach out to others with the love of Jesus might seem somewhat incompatible with some of the struggle, the internal struggle that some of us are dealing with, the uncertainty, the despair, the discouragement, perhaps even the fear that some of us might be facing. But as we conclude the series, what I want to remind us is that despite the moment being confusing, the mission of Jesus remains clear. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. Now that passage is found in John chapter 20, and we're going to read verse 19 through 21. So if you have a, if you have a Bible, please turn there to John chapter 20, verse 19 through to verse 21. It starts off and it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, this was, this was the Sunday night of the weekend that, that Jesus was, was crucified on the cross. And he, and he had been laid to rest, he had been buried in a tomb, and it was the Sunday night of, of that weekend. When the disciple, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for, the, for fear of the Jewish leaders. The disciples were hiding behind locked doors because they were afraid. They were, they were sheltering in place because of the fear of the Jewish leaders, of what, what they might do as soon as news got out to them that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. Despite the circumstances being different, we, we, are, we are in some ways doing exactly what the disciples were doing. We are hiding, as it were, behind locked doors. We are sheltering in, in place. And perhaps our motivation for some might even be fear of what is happening around us. But look at what the next phrase says. In that place of fear, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said, I love that. In the midst of fear, Jesus came. In the midst of fear, Jesus stood among his disciples. In the midst of fear, Jesus spoke to his disciples. And, and, and my heart's cry over this time is, Lord, would you, would you do it again? The disciples had gathered. And, and, and I think it's so important, although the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the awkwardness and the unfamiliarity of us doing church online is, is proving to be quite a challenge, I want to encourage us to continue to gather virtually together because when we do so, we can anticipate and expect for Jesus to come and to stand and be among us and to speak to us. And no matter what Jesus says to each and every one of us, whenever he speaks, peace is released. That's in fact what Jesus said to his disciples. The end of verse 19, peace be with you. After this, verse, verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then verse 21, again, Jesus said, let me just say, if Jesus says something once, 
We need to pay careful attention. But if Jesus chooses to repeat himself, we need to ensure that our lives are defined by the very thing that he is saying. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And then we have that commission that Jesus gave the disciples that I believe he's giving us. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We might not be physically gathered as a church. Church, the church that we, or the the way that we gathered before COVID-19 is now on pause for now. But I want to say that's not true or that's not the case as a, as a, in the context of the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is not on pause because he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There are four things that I think we can learn from these three verses. Four ways for us to interact with the mission of Jesus. Four, four characteristics by, uh, by which we should live out the mission of Jesus. These are the four things. By faith, through peace, with hope, in love. By faith, through peace, with hope, and in love. Let's have a look at those four things together. Firstly, by faith. We need to know, we need to realize, we need to recognize that fear robs us of faith. Fear robs us of faith. You read the Gospels and you quickly discover that the disciples were a very ordinary bunch. They were often given over to to insecurities and doubts, and and probably most most significantly, they were often given over to fear. At some point in the 40 days between the verses that we just read in John chapter 20 and the time when Jesus ascends into heaven, that's described in Acts chapter 1, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, Jesus, is this the time when you are now going to free Israel from Roman rule? Is this the time that you are going to restore our kingdom once again? And, and the motivation for that question was, was clearly, clearly fear. They were asking, is this the time? Is it now? Is the end finally here? I've been asked that question a number of times over the last few weeks. Just as an aside, I've been answering it like this. No, I don't think the end is upon us. But I do think we're closer today than we were yesterday. But you'll notice in in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, a verse that we're familiar with, Jesus didn't answer the question of when, as in when are you going to restore the kingdom. He answered the question that he wanted them to ask. The question of how, as in how, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? And this is what Jesus says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Yes, God was restoring the kingdom of God to Israel, but he was doing so much more. It wasn't just in Jerusalem, but also Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When those around us are filled with fear, we need to be a people who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be our sermon sermon series for the next two weeks as we build up to Pentecost Sunday on May 31st. We're going to be looking at the power of the Holy Spirit poured out upon the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ. Fear robs us of faith. That was true of the disciples and it was true of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. We don't have time to turn there. It's a story that I would encourage you to read. But in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel uh, uh, threatens to kill Elijah after his incredible victory over the prophets of Baal. And in absolute fear, Elijah runs as far away from Jezebel as possible. 
It tells us that he lies exhausted. And while he's sleeping, he is met by an angel who says to him, get up and eat. I love how practical the Bible can be sometimes. And this, I don't want you to think of this as, as trivial or unimportant. But the fact that the angel said to Elijah, get up and eat, I think emphasizes the point that if we are to, to battle against fear, if we are to overcome fear with faith, we can only do so if we are well nourished and if we are well rested. Fighting fear is not just a spiritual thing, but it is very much an emotional and physical thing as well. Elijah needed to eat because he had a 40-day journey ahead for him, a journey to the mountain of the Lord. I want to tell us today, I want to remind I want to share with us today this truth, that in, for us to find faith in order to overcome fear, firstly, you need to get into the presence of the Lord. To find faith in order to overcome fear, you need to get into the presence of the Lord. And that's where Elijah goes. And once he's there, he begins to cry out to the Lord. He begins to pour his heart out to the Lord. To find faith in order to overcome fear, firstly, you need to get into the presence of the Lord. And secondly, you need to pour out your heart to God. You need to be real with God. And in response, God begins to speak to him. And it's not in a, as, as Elijah had thought. It's not in a, in a powerful earthquake or a, or a storm, but it's with a, giant, a, a gentle whisper. To find faith in order to overcome fear. Firstly, you need to get into the presence of the Lord. Secondly, you need to be real with God. But thirdly, you need to learn to listen for and to listen to the voice of God. And God tells him to go back the way he came and to go find the, the community of prophets that God had spared from, you know, from Jezebel's destruction. If we want to find faith in order to overcome fear, we need to get into the presence of God. We need to be real with God. Thirdly, we need to listen for and we need to listen to the voice of God. And fourthly, we need to reach out to others. And I know in a time when, when Zoom calls are absolutely exhausting, but friends, I want to say, when our faith struggles, when my faith struggles, I need friends around me whose faith can encourage me and lift me up. At a time when there is fear and uncertainty all around us, we need to be a people of faith, a people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, a people filled with the Word of God, a people confident in the gospel, a people who know that the power of God is made perfect in our weakness, and a people who are linked arm in arm, virtually of course, but linked arm in arm with others whose faith carries me when I'm struggling with fear. How do we live out the mission of Jesus? Firstly, by faith. Secondly, through peace. God's presence and peace changes everything. God's presence and peace changes everything. There's so much that this pandemic has taught us. And I think one of the things it's, it's emphasized is that the people of God are not spared the hardship and the suffering that the world goes through. We've seen that throughout world history, and we're seeing that right now. But what separates the people of God, what distinguishes the people of God in a time of trial like this, and, and before I say what that is, when I say separates or distinguishes, it's not anything we've earned or not anything we've deserved. It, it, it's a separation that comes because of faith in Jesus and by His grace, and it is available to anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. What separates us in a time of crisis like this is the presence 
and the peace of God, which changes everything. God's peace, the Bible tells us, is a peace that surpasses human understanding. It's a peace that that doesn't align with the circumstances. It's a peace that doesn't make sense because it is a peace that is not rooted in, in, in present reality. It's a peace that is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, do not be pulled in, in every direction. Instead, be saturated in prayer, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace, which transcends human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. How? It tells us, guards your hearts and minds in the presence and the person of Jesus. Jesus is always with us. Jesus is our rock on which we stand in times of trouble. Jesus is the fortress to which we run to, to whom we run to when we are facing opposition. And his word to us in this season is peace be with you. How do we live out the mission of Jesus? Firstly, by faith. Secondly, through peace. Thirdly, with hope. The cross is our hope. Look at verse 20. It says, after he said this, after he had spoken over his disciples, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I find that that fascinating. As, As incredible as it was for the disciples to hear the voice of Jesus speaking into them. It was when, speaking to them, it was when they saw him, when they saw the risen and resurrected Lord, that they were over, uh, that they were overjoyed. And I want to say, friends, 2,000 years after the fact of the cross, you and I can still find rest and courage and confidence in our time of need because of the certainty and the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. The fact that he took on himself the sin of the world, including my sin, and defeated it through his death and his resurrection from the cross. And so sin and sickness and Satan and separation from God manifest through death has been defeated once and for all. And in its place, we have, we have rest and we have renewal and we have redemption and ultimately reward because we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves, as Colossians 1 tells us. And now I am in Christ and Christ is in God. Maybe you're listening today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I want to say it is so possible, it is so easy for you to come out from underneath that rule of sin and separation from God and to find yourself in a place of rest and relationship with God. And it's simply by putting your faith in Jesus. The Bible tells us that those who who confess Jesus as Lord will be saved. That's the simple promise. We confess Jesus as Lord and we are saved. In other words, we believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And I want to say, if that's you today, right where you are, pause this video right now and cry out to God, God, would you come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior? I thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins And I receive the free gift that is your life in Jesus' name.
How do we live out the mission of Jesus by faith, through peace, with hope, and finally in love. We, we go because Jesus came for us. Remember what Jesus said at the end. As the Father has sent me in the same manner, not for the same purpose, but in the same manner, I am sending you. It was, it was love for the, for the multitudes from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and from, every, and from every generation. It was the joy of seeing them restored into relationship with His, with, with his Heavenly Father that, that motivated, that compelled Jesus, that empowered Jesus to endure the pain and suffering of the cross. As Hebrews 12 tells us, because His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be His, He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And it's that same love that compels us to go and tell and share the gospel with others. As 2 Corinthians 5 says, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that He has given His life for all of us. We've all seen story after story in, in, in newspapers and, and, and on, on the internet and on TV of medical professionals across this country and, and many in our own church who have not run from this crisis but have run to this crisis because they are compelled by love and compassion for those who are suffering. And I want to say that's how Jesus sends us into the world. Compelled by love, empowered by the Holy Spirit, with the full resources of heaven, we, we, we run to the crisis of a world that is desperate in need, desperately in need for Jesus. And I want to say, don't let physical distancing limit us from being able to reach out to others. We, 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 we've been, I've been focusing on this verse for the last couple of weeks. Uh, um, in our weakness, God's power is perfected in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to say in our weakness, our inability to, to be physically close with others, God is able to perfect His power by releasing creative ways for us to reach out to our church community, for us to reach out to our neighbors, and for us to reach out to our city. In Isaiah chapter 6, it tells us, Isaiah writes, in the year that King Uzziah died, that wasn't just a a time of mourning for the nation of Israel. It was a time of incredible fear. Uzziah was a, a remarkable king and he had passed. And Isaiah writes, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne. My prayer for, for you, my prayer for me is that in this time of crisis, in this time of fear, that we would see the Lord for who He is. And what happens in Isaiah chapter 6 with this revelation burning on Isaiah's heart of seeing the Lord, he begins to overhear the conversations of heaven. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit asking amongst themselves, whom shall we send? And Isaiah, caught up in worship, raises his hand and says, here I am, Lord. Would you send me? I pray for myself and for you that that would be our response to the Lord every day. As we come into his presence, that we would say, Father, here I am, send me. The season may be confusing, the season may be overwhelming, the season may be unsettling, but I want to say the mission of the Lord remains clear. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. And how do, we, how do we interact with that mission? How do we live out that mission? We live it out by faith. We live it out through peace. 
We live it out with hope and in love. I want to pray for you right now. If you are struggling with fear, if you are struggling to find faith to counter the fear that you are struggling with. I mentioned a couple of things that I think we should do. Get into the presence of the Lord. Be real with the Lord. Listen for and listen to His voice and reach out to others who can come to encourage you. But I want to pray for you right now. If you are struggling with fear in any way, I want to pray that you would have a radical encounter with the presence of the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I want to ask in Jesus' name for for anyone, including myself, Lord God, who, who at times just really battle with the fear of the unknown and the uncertainty of the season. I want to pray, Father God, that we would be a people who, who would encounter your presence in such a profound way. That we would be a people who would, who would be able to pour out our hearts. Lord, that we would hold nothing back. That we would be a people who would not only hear your voice, but we would do what it says. And Lord, I pray for the community of friends and family around us who would help us in our time of need. Help us to carry us when we are weak. We long to meet with you. We long to encounter your presence. We long to hear your voice. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name right now, that there would be an outpouring of your spirit upon those who are opening their hearts to hear and receive from you this morning. I pray for faith to flood their hearts in Jesus' name, that fear would be driven out in the name of Jesus. We ask this, Lord, for the glory of your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, and if there is anything that, if there are any ministry needs or prayer requests that you have, please go to anthemforall.org slash anthemonline. There's a prayer request button. And if you have any testimonies of God encountering you in powerful ways, please share those testimonies with us at testimonies at anthemforall.org. Jill has prepared a song for us to, to, to listen to and to be ministered through or ministered to by the song. And I want to invite, I want to invite us all as we are trusting for the Lord to fill us with faith. And, and to pour out His peace upon us and to stir our hearts with hope and to empower us with His love. I want, I want to encourage you to, to listen to the words of, these song, of the song and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with His presence. I'm laying down my life I'm giving up control I'm never looking back I surrender all I'm living for your glory On the earth 
Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.